You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to another Balticon bonus episode of The Melting Podcast. You're back. I, I didn't leave. But I had to do the last episode all by myself. You did another episode all by yourself? <laughs> oh How many bloopers did they get? A whole reel? It was awesome. Uh-huh. Who are you? Don't you know by now? No. I am your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. Oh, yeah. I'm your head chef AF Grappin. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mentioned earlier this is a Balticon bonus episode. What are those? Bonus episodes from Balticon? Yeah. They're not, even really, they're, actually, they're not even really bonus episodes anymore. They're regular episodes, but I named them and the name is sticking. <laughs> so this is a panel mm-hmm. recorded while we were at Balticon. Yep. Now, which Balticon is this one from? 52. 52. So 2018. That's this year. That's this year. Enjoy. Yay! Yay. Okay, so I guess we should go ahead and begin. Um, I'm the moderator because I was foolish enough to... Suggested panel. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got a blank space and I'll write your name. Um, so we will uh, begin with Chuck. Uh, I will start by saying that uh, in honor of this panel, I'm going to name a character after Chuck Gannon. <laughs> His nickname is going to be Loose. <laughs> Bad things happen when Loose Gannon is around. <laughs> However, it probably will have a secondary. <laughs> I, I was going to say, is it after dark yet? <laughs> so I'm here. I was going to say, here. <laughs> and those could be bad things happening too, so it could absolutely be double duties. At any rate, um, hi, my name is Chuck Gannon. I write mostly hard SF, SF, um, alternate history, um, fantasy uh, trilogy coming out from Bane. I'm going to guess very late 2019 or early 2020. Um, uh, I, uh, the, <laughs> so the, the series... Uh, uh, the Camry Orton series, which started with this book, had one or two uh, Tuckerizations in it, friends and uh, and otherwise. And I have, I think, Tuckerized someone in almost every book except for maybe the second one. Uh, this one contains various Tuckerizations, um, and uh, I, I I take a great I take a great joy in it. Um, uh, and one of the things that was mentioned, I think, in the description of the panel. Is uh, I can't remember, but it is the opportunity for charity with this, which has been um, a real boon, and um, I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. My name is Nobila Sri. I am the best, most awesome science fiction and fantasy erotica podcaster on the known universe because I'm number one. It also makes he's still awesome. (laughs) Um, And I'm also an author. I uh, have written uh, several. Uh, erotic science fiction and fantasy novels. Um, and Tuckerizing under that circumstance is a little complicated. <laughs> uh, I'm Val Griswold Ford. I write dark <coughs> fantasy and cozy Christmas stories. Um, and I Tuckerize in everything. And I definitely agree with the charity because that is a really good thing that, that we can do. I Yeah, I think I have a Tuckerization in just about everything. I'm AF Grappin. I am one of the hosts of the Melting Podcast, a writing variety show. I'm also the author of Luke Bertrand, European Assassin, which I have two open slots right now that I need to tuckerize, so I'm probably going to be pulling names from out here. <laughs> I'm also the author of Star Signs, which has about 25 tuckerizations, including Nobilis Reed as a fairy. <laughs> so just, just just saying that, but yeah, it's it's always such a blast to tell people, yeah, that I'm doing this to you. <laughs> And I'm John Henry. I write as Jack Campbell, um, science fiction, space opera, Ascendant, second book in the Genesis fleet, just came out last week. Uh, also, there's a Lost Fleet comic, graphic novel, hard science fiction, space opera, graphic novel. It's out there now, um, which I wrote. Uh, didn't do the art, though. And I also write science fantasy, which one of those is just coming out as well, uh, Destiny of Dragons, the third book in the Legacy of Dragons series. Um, and obviously I tuckerize as well. So, um, just a brief history. I mean, it's called tuckerization because there was a guy named Tucker who liked to do that. And it's, uh, it became a, a common thing in the field to 
name characters after friends and enemies. One of the oldest examples I know of Clark Ashton Smith uh, created a character who was a uh, mad Egyptian pharaoh, Louv Karaf, Lovecraft. Even back quite a ways ago, they were doing this. So, I mean, so I guess the primary question would be what's your primary motivation? Do you have a primary motivation when you tuckerize characters? Is it for good or for evil? (laughs) Depends on the character. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, you know, is if you're writing and there's a lot of names, a lot of people, thinking up new names over and over and over again can get really draining, especially if you're trying to think of names that sound different, that it's like, oh, it's not like that. And there's all, and it's much easier to say, oh, that's a good name and use it than it is to think up something that's a good name right off the top. It just takes a little more effort. And writers are lazy. <laughs> it's a little less effort. Hey, go for yeah. it. So I think that the primary reason that people talk arise is because it's easy. That and I know for me, it was people going, I want to play in that universe. So can you put me in? Mm-hmm. Um, in the Horseman universe, which has a bunch of Tuckerizations, I actually said, you know, we, we auctioned some off for charity. And the more you paid, the more likely it was you wouldn't die. <laughs> Paul Cooley and I share some. <laughs> so um, I actually, the very first one I did, the guy actually asked to die. He's like, I will pay you all this money. Just make sure I die really well. Paul Cooley, Scott Sigler, a bunch of yep. horror writers are known for go- go- going into their fan community. Graveyard. The yep. graveyard and yep. saying, okay, you've died, you've died, you've died. Just killing all of yep. their fans in their books. I'd like, times. I'd like to just see how many books I die in. I've died in, I think, four or five books at this point. <laughs> That's the other thing that happened early on in the, in the podcast novel community. Uh, it was traditional to kill Paul Fisher in your book. So he's died in like 17 different I, I thought it was Thomas Reed, Kotag. That happened later. Oh, okay. For the original one to kill in your book, but this was back ten years ago, was, was Paul Fisher. Okay. I think he was in charge of the new media track here. Gotcha. Well, I think another reason that I Tuckerize is because it can be really cathartic. Because when people find out that you write, one of the first things, can you write a book about me? Yeah, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to kill you right <laughs> off the bat. You're not making it past the prologue, baby. <laughs> I, I want to see somebody's face when Nobilla says, sure. <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't get that. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's funny. I, wrote, I write sex. I write erotica. People will get upset if something like that is depicted. You can kill them in the most gruesome possible fashion, and they're like, hey, that's great. But if, but if you portray them having sex, then you're probably, depending on who it is, that you, you, I kind of I have to get permission. And even asking permission can be a little dicey. So uh, when I do it, it's usually thickly disguised. Mm-hmm. I've taken the name and I've, I'm using the person as an inspiration for a character, but, but there's layers there that <laughs> most people aren't going to write. Yeah. Just anagram it. Yeah. Chuck, did you have a? Yeah, my the for me the it's actually easier if I wasn't Tuckerizing. Um, first of all, because you realize very quickly if you did not before that most the the compendium of commonly used first names mm-hmm. in the English language is vanishingly small. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, and so very very soon in you have to start saying oh and give me a preferred nickname um, to be able to, to get that dodge in there because that happens a lot and the other thing that that actually makes it difficult for me and I've had to uh, I've had to actually I've wanted to go in there and I have to do backgrounds that sometimes I don't want to because so most of our readers are obviously anglophone mm-hmm. I mean even if we're in translation that's still yeah. largely the case and then if you do the con circuit, and if that's where people get sort of, you know, uh, more, I guess you would say, uh, determined in their fan or reader status, um, those are very often the ones who are eager for the Tuckerizations. But what this does is it has you populating your world with names that look like it's coming from the 1940s. Yep. You know, it's like, isn't that what we're trying to, I'm not saying, I'm not saying 
I'm not a, a rehistorian. That was what that was. We are where we are now. But there's no reason for where we are now to resemble where we were then. Mm -hmm. um, they both have their validities. So this becomes an issue for me. And it means that actually I have to kind of in my mind say I can only, I can only give out so many because I have to leave a balance to internationalize yep. mm -hmm. the, oh, yeah. the, the narrative. So um, for me, it's actually, it's actually adding a headache. But the bottom line is two, two great joys come out of this. Um, the third, which is less important. Um, the third that's less important is, uh, well, first of all, the Tuckerizations that have no money attached whatsoever. Yeah. They're just somebody you know. Three Tuckerizations uh, in the last two novels have been in memoriam. Mm -hmm. Somebody, uh, a fan came and said, I don't, I don't want this for me. But, you know, this uncle, this aunt, my son in a tragic situation from Ireland um, was, was the nature of the request. Then there's the ones that you do for charity, which can... Uh, LibertyCon is great about this. They, they auction off Tuckerizations. And two years ago, we, we, I, there was enough being made that I said, look, I'll leave two aside. Get the bidding up as high as you can. When it's about to break and somebody somebody wins the bid, offer it to the other person for the same number. We made twelve hundred dollars yeah. for a local charity that year. And when you're able to do that, you know, it, it, you you feel pretty good. Con Carolinas did the same thing, yeah. and you know they they'll go around for their charity auction and say, "Will you put in a Tuckerization, you know, for charity?" And yeah, they've had some go for for quite a bit of money because people are like, "This is awesome." Um, as far as the, the, the anglicizing 1940s era of it, when I do something like that, what I'll say is this is what I'm writing. I mean, right now I'm writing a small town in New England on the coast. We're Yankees. We mostly came from three countries over in Europe, and we do all kind of sound the same. So when I'm writing something, I'm going to say, hey, guys, this is the kind of name I'm looking for, unless I'm doing it for charity, at which point. But if I'm looking for a name, I'll just I'll go out there and I'll say, hey guys, who wants to be a dwarf jeweler from the realms? Am I a dwarf? You are, I'm sorry. And then, I'm sitting on the <laughs> end. Um, I, I go, you one better. Well, maybe not, maybe not more, but um, a member of I didn't the, mean to get into numbers. Yeah. <laughs> within the podcast novelist community here at Balticon, we lost a fellow by the name of Patrick Holyfield yep. a few years back. Yep. And um, T. Morris, one of his best friends in the community, organized an anthology mm -hmm. where the main character was a Patrick Holyfield Tuckerization on every single story. Now, and it then, wasn't a main character. He just well, had to be part of it. Okay. Much of the time. Yes. It was the narrative thread that yeah. yes. through all the yep. different right. yes. And it was called Tales of a Tesla Ranger, and all of the proceeds from the novel go to the Education Fund for this kids. Yep. Yep. Because yep. I was the other editor on that. That's a very powerful thing, too, because uh, Mark Van Name, uh, who's one of, my, uh, one of my colleagues at Bain, he writes a series, a science fiction series that you may be aware of or, or not, but Every single every single proceed from those books, whether it's the royal and top to bottom, goes to um, it's called Falling Whistles. It's yeah. uh, it's a charity. Children of uh, book. Children of that right, but but all, but all of them now in that series are doing that. He just the end for uh, for child soldiers to work against child soldiers. Yeah. But so, we haven't heard what you do with that. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, we well, heard one thing, and I'm I'm living in terror now, but. <laughs> Good stuff. I like to pull friends' names, toss them in occasionally. Uh, I'd be interested to hear if you guys have uh, experienced like I have, where sometimes I'm, I'm writing a character, and no matter what I name that character, I realize they're very much like someone I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll just call them up and say, Alex, this female lawyer is so much like you, it would be so much simpler if I could just name her Alex so that I didn't get confused when I was writing. <laughs> uh, do you ever have that happen where... Basically, the character requires the Tuckerization because it reminds you so much of someone you know? I have, and unfortunately, it's almost always my best friend, and I can't use her in every novel. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I actually use the Tuckerization to fight that. 
Ah. When I, if I'm thinking, okay, this is turning out just like Aaron again, I need somebody else, and I'll pull a friend from work or somebody, and then throw their name in there, and then all of a sudden the character does change. Ah. I've had that happen a couple of times. Oh, yeah. I find that the, the, the interplay between picking the name and who the character is is, is a cyclical thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a self-reinforcing mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. Um, so, so Tuckerizing has to be careful because it can influence how you're writing the character if you yeah. do it early on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about the good things you can do with Tuckerization. Of course, you can also name a character after somebody you don't like. Uh, Dante's Inferno has a huge that? number of them. Yes, I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he put He put dozens of people in hell. Anyone he, he was, hated. Uh, yes. Anyone he hated or thought it wronged him. Dante. Dante. Dante yeah. Alighieri. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I have imagined with certain villains. I have imagined <laughs> it's a particular person, but again, I have to be careful. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, there's there's camouflage. There. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, yeah. someone who who like knows the relationship. Okay. <laughs> there, there have been some that I've done where I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll camouflage it and. Some of my readers will call me and go, so, having a problem with this one again, are we? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I try not to, but, yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> I know of one extreme case, Michael Crichton. He had somebody he did not like at all, and he named a character in one of his novels after this guy, and the guy was a child molester and uh, basically character assassination. Uh, by Michael Crichton. But you got that, 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 so that, 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 the, uh, that disclaimer in the front yeah. of the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, isn't that why that's there? <laughs> yeah, I do have uh, um, one of my uh, early supervisors was uh, a jerk name. His last name was Booth. So I will occasionally have a, a horrible character I named John Wilkes. So <laughs> I'm getting something in there, yeah. but... Nothing actionable. And the thing is, sometimes it's it's just for you, honestly. It's yeah. like like because I write fantasy, so having mm-hmm. you know Jack Jones and fantasy novels doesn't make sense. So I have to do a little tweaking and try to keep the name. I have to fantasize it, obviously. Um, so sometimes, like they, I, I have to get them so warped that I'm the only person that notices. But I write this. I write this for me anyway. If other people yeah. like it, I'm I'm I'm, I'm thrilled. But pretty much. I go back and look at my kids. Like, I get my own little giggles out of it. And there's there's fun in doing that too with oh, the tuckerizations yeah. that nobody else knows about, and oh, you yeah. just sit there and you go, if only "Shoot, you do. I'm in here if you can find me." <laughs> You're right here. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in this book. <laughs> and this, and, and this, I want, there's a there's a thing that can happen that isn't quite exactly tuckerizing, but but. There's like an event or an object or something that happens, and and that ins- and and especially if somebody tells you about it, um, uh, there's there's a scene in, um, in, in in my one of my more recent novels, *Bra of Holding*. Um, <laughs> Every time I hear the title, <laughs> uh, that's I, I, now we're not an after dark panel. If you want to hear the whole story, catch me at one of the other panels. But. Uh, uh, Friend, one of my fans works in a in a, in a novelty boutique, and uh, when I was visiting her there, she showed me a particular object in there. And I was like, wow, that's really bizarre. That's going to work. Yep. Yep. Well, you kind of yeah, you, you specifically alluded to at least one case where you don't want to tuckerize uh, when you're having a character have sex. Are there yeah. any other red lines that you guys try to avoid crossing when you're naming character after someone? Depends on how mad I am at them. <laughs> since I since I don't, um, I've I've not given into the temptation um, to to use it for for defamation, mm-hmm. um, and and there are actually several reasons for that because um, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, uh, but very often. So when I'm writing my villains, if you even want to call them that. I find the thing that makes them interesting villains is that they're nuanced. Mm-hmm. They don't see themselves as the mm-hmm. as the bad guy or gal or whatever in their story, um, and they usually have some mixture of need to justify 
Uh, they, they have a backstory that brings them to this point. But a lot of the people that I meet that I would tuckerize in a negative fashion, mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I have a problem with them to begin with <laughs> is because they are actually far less nuanced. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're like, they're, they're not quite monoliths of what they are, but, but and they're I making say, a villain. They, I get that character turned back for me from my publisher. It's like, nah, not plausible. Based <laughs> <laughs> on a mustache and have them twisted in the bathroom. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, no, I, never mind. Um, but at any rate, the, the, the thing about it is that I, I find that, that that's just, uh, therefore, that's not something. That's not something I do. Um, but I, um, I forget exactly what I was responding to now. Well, another that's aspect fine. That, it was red lines. Red lines. Yeah, red lines. Yeah, so that's, that's one of them. And it's a, it's a kind of odd red line, I suppose. Um, another one um, is uh, I will let somebody know if it's because there's a special category of tuckerization called a red shirt. Yes. <laughs> if be aware, you know, it's like if you want this, know it. Otherwise, I will not do that to you. In my experience, yeah. people jump on it more if they know they're being red shirted. Again, mm -hmm. like I said, I like dying in books too. So many people do seem to. I think it's. I, I don't know if it's like just kind of like it. Most of mine. They, yeah, like a death wish. Just no, most of mine don't. Really? Oh, so really? Awesome. We just have twisted fans, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. <laughs> because mine are like, all right, I need somebody to die. Oh, oh, yeah. Just can I have the marigold bursting out of my head this time? <laughs> okay, it was morning glory. But anyway, <laughs> yes, I've had that it's conversation. All the details. It's all the you know. So yeah, no, it's I, I definitely you know, in fact. In Winter Storms, I had a Tuckerization in there, and I had to tell the person, you know, Dude, the, these books aren't like that. Nobody dies in these. And they were like, oh, <laughs> like, you're going to get a tell them to contact me. good talker. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, do you want me to put you in one of the Horseman stories instead? I'm not writing those very much right now, but I, I can do that. Yes, can I die in that one? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, what, what about the converse of that? Do you Have you... Put in specific tributes to someone you wanted to honor. So, besides the PG one, besides be, be, besides PG, PG. PG. Um, in the the Carter Cove books, um, my mom passed away two years ago, oh. and she was a big impetus to start the Schrodinger books. She wanted me to write a Christmas story for my nieces who were. Six and three at the time, so I didn't think death was appropriate, <laughs> even for my nieces. <laughs> you know, um, so she started that, and uh, there is now a character that is based on her that is in every book. Once she gets introduced, she there there are more books on the blog than there are actually published. So, um, but she is in every year and will continue to be in. That 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 reminds me of other famous Tuckerizations. You've got um, 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 uh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. It's, mm -hmm. it's yep. like this was this was a book written for a specific child. Yep. And so therefore, the Tuckerization takes up like fifty percent of the space in the book. Alice in Wonderland was Alice too. In Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. And yeah. to Peter some Pan. extent, some of the stories of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Peter Pan was too, wasn't it? Uh, I don't, Peter I don't Pan was his no. Maybe. It wasn't his. It wasn't his kids. It wasn't his kids. It was like his sister. Something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, I'm a vengeance. I don't write your children's stories. We noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have um, uh, people. Uh, so so when um, uh, when Jan, Jan Fender Jan Fender was uh, his condition was uncertain. If you know Jan. Um, he was a, he was a fan from around the Albany area, and a very uh, he was a very nice guy, and uh, he was uh, just just you, if you went down if you went down a corridor in a in a convention and you noticed like what I would call an intermittent traffic jam, it was because he saw somebody stopped spoke they had a good time. Yep. More people collected than you're gone and caused this the same sort of I guess you could call, call it a sort of vortex of inactivity. Well, I call it sort of constipated brownian motion, uh, but they're probably the same sort of thing. And uh, and so when I knew that he was uh, he wasn't doing that well, um, I I, I tuckerized and he got a chance to read it. 
before he passed on. So I've done I've done that a number of times. Uh, two of the people who uh, I actually put two in memoria characters together as a romantic pair in my series, uh, and it's um, I, I the the sense that somebody gets the people who stay who persevere after. Um, that that's there. That this name and this person, and I will always ask for details about the person. There's a little piece of them that's alive in the book, mm-hmm. and I think that's a if you can if you can give a gift like that, it's a small thing for us to do and a major thing about yeah. for yeah. other folks to, to have in their lives. And there have been other individuals uh, associated with people in this very room where that's the case. People where it's a it's a, a, a memorial. Yeah, it's, it's huge for some people to have that kind of thing yeah. in, uh, in the book for the, the people that, that leave behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about not? Now I've depressed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to our shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, I forgot to mention uh, some of the... I, I tend to put tributes hidden in my books. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's a, a character in Ascendant in the, the series. Her name's Lee Camigan. And Camigan is the Celtic word for bracket. Mm-hmm. And she's traveling uh, under a false identity, so she's traveling as a librarian named Mary Alice Norton. <laughs> okay, somebody got it. <laughs> um, which is just fun, you know, to, to, to bring attention to uh, uh, writers who consider worth remembering and mentioning. Yeah. Um, lots of lots of people have done that. It's in some very major books. If you, how many people here? This is going to be one of those questions. It's like, yeah, this is almost a rhetorical question. How many people here are familiar with or have read uh, the Niven Purnell novel Footfall? So, if you go and look at the scene where they're talking about the devices that, that are falling down from the sky and just taking things out, Forrest Hammer, and you take a look, the uh, the one who is sort of leading the charge name is Wade Curtis, in which case you have now Jerry essentially tuckerizing himself because that was the name he wrote under when he was writing computer magazines and things like that. And the person who was the elder statesman, his name was Robert Anson. Well, you know what the first two letters are Robert A. Heinlein's name for. And, and everybody, almost everybody in that scene, the science fiction writers who are called in as sort of like, well, we don't we don't have a protocol for aliens. Let's get you crazy guys in here. <laughs> um, and uh, almost every one of them is a is a not very subtle code for somebody else. Okay, so those are people or whatever's. Mm-hmm. What about places? You have tuckerized places? Well, I mean, in this novel, um, every single planet is named after a place on Earth. There's New New York and New Boston and New San Antonio and New Beulah and just everything is after a place and 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 there I mean it's 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 a silly novel I mean it's erotic science fiction so it's it's pretty hard to take it really hard, hard heavily seriously um, and so you know like okay well if an entire planet was Georgia what it would be like. If an entire planet was New York City, what would it be like? And, and um, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's kind of the way Star Wars works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, hey, you know, if, 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 if he can do it, I can do it too. I'm not saying it's a good thing, it's just a thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and if, uh, and that kind of tr- tr- goes into the Tuckers, I mean, because if I have somebody that I know is from Pennsylvania and I've got a planet that's based on Pennsylvania and the person, well, I'll just have that person be from that planet, you know. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it, you're inspired by things. Yep. You're always inspired by things. And it's like, okay, well, this city is going to be something, it isn't actually New Orleans, but it's going to be like that. You know, that's one thing. But to actually call it New New Orleans... I think that's what it takes to be Tuckerizing, and that's, I mean, every single place in this novel is that. Well, there's a, a famous example of it, it's H.G. Wells in War of the Worlds, the places where he describes the Martians overrunning is Woking, and that was where he lived at the time, and he went around and looked at street corners and buildings and said, okay, I'll destroy this. <laughs> so he, he Tuckerized his hometown as a place being destroyed by the Martians. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's really so much Tuckerizing, really. You know, I mean, in that case, he's he's using something that's familiar with him to him. But I mean, I mean, I think lots and lots and lots of authors write about the places that they live because yeah. the, the research is so much easier. Yeah, <laughs> even if they don't necessarily name it that. Yeah. yeah, I honestly, if my current hometown was magical and on the seacoast rather than where it is, that's pretty much what Carter's Cove is. You know, it's it's the town I grew up in. And a lot of the people there are the people that, the, peop- the character types that populated the very odd little town I grew up in, so. Okay. All right, now here's the tough one. Have you ever Tuckerized somebody else's fictional character? Yes. Yes. Um, I didn't do it by name, um, but in the sequel to my, my recent novel, Criminal from Birth, in progress, I have characters visiting an inn, and inside it are three characters from Patrick Rothfuss's King Killer Chronicles. It's only descriptions, and it's only the positions that they're in at the time that would let you know that that's exactly who they are. Um, but but yes, I have done that. I, uh, one of my short stories has Jarvis from the Avengers <laughs> in it. She's he, she she basically is building something, and, and she's like, I think I'll call him Jarvis. And the AI goes, somebody else is using that, and I'd rather not plagiarize. So. <laughs> you called yourself out on it. I totally did. <laughs> you know, I didn't turn it on it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah I, in, in Monster Whisperer, um, the, the, um, this isn't precisely a tuckerization, but it's, it's kind of sideways. Um, the, 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 evil, the wizard who is the henchman of the, of the villainess of the piece uh, his name is Harudagar, but his friends call him Harry. And, um, and the fact that his friends call him Harry and another character's friends call him Harry is a, mem- a certain plot element hangs on that. But um, at one point, the villainess, uh, 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 Lady Calterena, um, you know, he, Harudagar is having a problem. And it's like, you can solve this. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. And then the context is entirely different, but that, those, those four <laughs> words together yes, that is, uh, that's awesome. is a kind of, I think, Tuckerization. That's a, fantastic. A, that is good. <laughs> oh, that is so beyond fun. Um, I, I, that's, 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 uh, that's not this. That, that's 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 a textual one. That's that's taking yeah. it even deeper. That's that's good. <laughs> that's good. And and I have had more fans send in feedback on that particular episode, that particular bit. That's like that was hilarious <laughs> because it comes from a completely different direction. It means something completely different. But it's the same sort of yeah. Words. yeah. <laughs> so it's a little. It's it's when you start writing historical fiction. Where and now I'm going to the 1632 universe where Eric Flint has taken uh, a bunch of people from essentially year 2000 West Virginia and thrown them back into Thuringia in the teeth of the uh, Thirty Years' War on the cusp of a very very uh, hinge battle, um, and they stay. You run into the strange situation that they brought their their high school basically the area. They did not individually go blip, blop, and go from one place to another. It was essentially a six-mile diameter sphere, including atmosphere and under Earth that went with them. Well, part of what was in this was the high school library. So one of the things that happens is all of a sudden the amount of printed material and stories available in the world in almost every language explodes. People come in, logically, and, and start copying it. So now you have the strange situation where some people realize there's a, there's a sort of fad to this. There's also a sort of confidence in this. The empirical method of the future, you know, is, is, is at first kind of dubious, wondrous, satanic, because it's like, well, if you go there, you're going to find this. Well, how would you know that? Just do it. <laughs> see, the, see, the, see the geological survey map? I could, that's how I knew. You know, and, and just all of the other thing, all of the chemistry that they are able to sort of immediately bring forth as soon as they've got the right equipment and they can isolate the right elements. Um, so, and, and then, but then method. So one of the things that, that it just seemed to us, we actually didn't want to do it in some ways, but it seemed inevitable 
that somebody would say, well, we want to pass ourselves off as, as you know, uptimers. That's what people from the future are, because they're so on the ball. They've got, they've got all these methods. So you've got somebody running around who is showing themselves off or trying to, you know, essentially pretend that they're an, an uptimer, very good at investigations, whose name is Philippe Marlowe. <laughs> and you've got this sort of stuff going on. Now, at that moment, I don't know if it's Tuckerization, because what you're yeah. really doing is you're saying, yeah, but isn't that sort of what human beings would do when they begin to, you know, idealize yeah. things from another place or another culture? They start to borrow it. And, mm -hmm. But we, you know, the bottom line was that we, between, between the time that the fried calamari came and was finished, we said, yeah, but it's too cool, so we're going to go. <laughs> So we didn't we didn't lose a lot of sleep. Well, that, that's a kind of tuckerization everybody does. You know, when you yeah. name your kids, yeah. mm -hmm. yep. we're going to name this kid after mm -hmm. this name that we think is yeah, cool yeah. because. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, in one story, I had a, one of the characters was named Jim James, and the other was a woman who was a doctor, and I did give her her line where she got to say, "I'm a doctor, Jim, not a magician." <laughs> um, I also have a character in the Lost Fleet series, Master Chief Giannini, who's a scheming Master Chief. Knows his job really well, but will also do anything he can get away with, which is a lot, because he knows everything. And he's a, he's a tribute to the character of uh, Fatso Giannini, who was written about by uh, Dan Gallery back in the uh, 50s and 60s, uh, Admiral Dan Gallery. Well, now we're kind of we're talking about allusive homages. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, almost an homage. Yeah. Uh, a tuckerization is an homage to a character. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes tuckerizations write themselves. Uh, one, my British publisher is Titan, and they told me at one point to go work with their two people in New York City, Lucy and Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> And I probably ought to mention one of the uh, tuckerization most people don't realize, uh, Big Bang Theory. Sheldon and Leonard are the two main characters, and they're named after Sheldon Leonard, mm -hmm. who was a legendary yep. guy in uh, TV production. Uh, oh. Well, we've been talking a lot. Does anybody have any questions? Anybody else want to say anything? Yes. So I just had an interesting thing, which I'm curious if you guys can talk about. Uh, there's an author that I know, uh, I met at a couple conventions, uh, Chris Kennedy, who does a ton of tuckerization, and one of the things he pointed out to me, which I thought was was clever and interesting, is he uses the red shirts. He has a series which actually has a lot of combat and a lot of deaths. And so one of the things he said when he was initially trying to get traction... The Four uh, Horsemen. Yeah, well, it's actually before the Four Horsemen. Oh, it's actually a previous series. Okay. Um, but one of the things he, he found that worked really well is as he met people at cons, you know, he would either offer to tuckerize them in the book and have them die, or have people volunteer. And what that hap what happened then is the people who died were would remember the book. It's like, oh, I want to see that book, and then they would go tell all their friends, oh, yeah, I died in this yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he found very quickly that by it was it was almost where it grew upon itself, where the first few people told all their friends, and then their friends wanted to be killed and were added, and then they told their friends, and so he was able to get uh, kind of a a, a very a growing audience. His audience was almost growing itself because. I need to start writing books. Yeah, people. and it, and it was because in the series specifically there were so many small characters that could show up, do something heroic, die, and then move on. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just a really clever use of Tuckerization because of the way it yeah. it, it, yeah. Would, it would invest the audience. The audience yeah. was even more invested. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris yeah. definitely came up with with something that that uh, that I think it's it's essentially a fictional. Fictional death Ponzi scam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it makes me wonder if this, if this is a distinctly American thing, yeah. where people would rather die in a book than have sex in a book. Yeah. Well, you that, know, it's like, oh, that'll be R-rated. Oh, kill me instead. That's much. That's cleaner. Yeah. I think. I think that America really does have a, a, a distinctly. I mean, it's not. It's not so much. The, 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 the fact that we're a, we're a little prudish. There's a lot of places that are like that. And it's not so much that we're violent. There's a lot of places that are violent. I think it's the combination of the, of the two, two. Mm -hmm. in America that's really unusual compared to most of the world. I would be surprised if I had fans in like Holland or Denmark or something like that who would have any problem with being tuckerized in a book with their name just right out there 
having sex with a, with a, with a tentacle monster. I, you know, they'd probably be okay with it. Um, uh, uh, but I, I really, you know... But a well-spoken and hygienic tentacle yeah. monster. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Are they all? I have one quick thought on that. Just, sure. Just on that, the sex versus death. One of the, I don't know if it's necessary applies to everyone, but one of the things I think that might... Uh, there, there's a level of distance, I think, involved in tenderization. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, when they think about their death in a book... It's not something that, that is going to happen as they see it. They don't feel like, yeah, I'm going to die. Obviously, they are. But they can look at it as, oh, that's where it's something like sex. There's another case where, well, I actually am having sex. So this, <laughs> it's almost like it's almost more plausible to them in a way. Because yeah. it's something that they can yeah. see happening. Whereas I, them dying violently to an alien hopefully is something that would never happen. happen. So maybe the solution <laughs> is if yeah. you have them having sex, you've got to kill them in the book. Wipe <laughs> <laughs> the slate clean. You know? Kill them yeah. during the sex scene. <laughs> We call those mantis tuckerization. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but I, I've noticed that just because it's, it's it, the more distance, the the less plausible it seems. The more comfortable people are with it. So and I've noticed that in fiction too. It's why certain elements, like like we're talking about in a in a story where someone is is killed, where a lot of people are killed, it doesn't necessarily bother. But sometimes if you if you have a rape scene, because that's something that's so much more. It's it's something that many people can see happening as opposed to being violently eviscerated by alien monsters. You can kill as many people as you want. Don't kill the dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so I, I, it, it, never. I mean, just don't tuckerize dogs. No, just don't tuckerize dogs. It's it's a it's a it's a pets. Yeah. Third rail. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I was just wondering if the, if the level of the level of implausibility helps with the. That's possible. That's possible. Although, as you we were saying, if it's if you're having sex with a tentacle monster, <laughs> the odds of that happening are hopefully pretty. Small. I, hopefully, I, yes. I think there's, so. I think yeah. there's a, a, a really. I think that's a really. Uh, my my tendency is to say yeah, or I, I think I think that's there's something going on there that's really true. Because one of the other things is that in in universes where people where I would say the character portrayals um, very self consciously attempt to be as serious as you can make them, as grounded as you can make them, my sense is people fewer people want to be redshirted there, or they're concerned with how they die. They want a heroic death. They want yep. something like that. Yeah. Um, an interesting case of this is John Ringo's books. Now, some of John Ringo's books can be very serious, but sometimes they're not. And when he's and he kind of lets people know what sort of scene it's going to be, what sort of character it's going to be. And if somebody's going to get murdered <coughs> or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, so that so that they don't even look like street pizza, they look more like <laughs> like strawberry jam. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, well spoken and hygienic. Um, the, the, the then, you know, that's fine. Kill me however you like, I don't care. But the more it becomes something, uh, a person with real stakes, something really at stake, some, some, something, some real costs that they, that they have to pay, they become, I think, more attached to the, the nature of their demise. Mm-hmm. And I think that that may be connected to this sort of thing in sex, because again, there's something that's being. I'm not saying that that sex can't be portrayed in a parodic fashion, but usually there's something more like you're saying. It's like, eh, do I want that to live after me? Do I want that? And somebody pick that up and say, well, how much research was done with this individual? You know? <laughs> well, that's what you think whenever you read a sex scene. <laughs> I tell you, it was really, really hard finding tentacle monsters. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, did did King do something with the uh, individual that hit him in the car? Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. he did. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, he, he, he wrote the guy. King, he got hit by a car, and the, the driver apparently appeared in one of his novels. Yes. <laughs> but did not die. He did not kill the man. Yeah, yeah. He. You do so much war with a guy. Well, and that that that's it. I mean, sometimes it's nicer to kill them. There are things worse than death. Well, I think also the the manner of the death. Um, uh, Scott Singler ran into this where he was he was going around uh, doing book signings and promised that the location where most people showed up for the signing, everyone who showed up would be tuckerized. Because mm. <laughs> he was expecting 20, 30 people. Yeah. The location that I went to had 112 people. It was not the largest. Was it? It was the largest. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> we had 112 people there. The signing line took him an hour and a half to get through. Wow. And then he had a list of 112 <laughs> names. 
to Tuckerize in the story. <laughs> so what we had was a in the background of a news story, a list of names being read off in memoriam. <laughs> something's going on, and all the names are just there like a telephone book. That is awesome. As this is going, it's going a paragraph of something happening, and then name, 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 another paragraph, and name, 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 name. <laughs> yeah, you can't that, get trapped by that. That yeah. that's awesome, though. Yeah. Go sick. Did did Bill have a Bill? You had a question, did you? Bill Langford. Bill? No, it's not no. Bill back there. That's not, it's not. It's not Bill. That's that's not Bill, huh? Did anybody back there have a but question? But I thought you had a question. No. 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 Okay. He's he's not here. Yeah, I kind of had. Uh, <laughs> they put Scott to sleep. <laughs> one of the Tuckerizations I did, it was uh, you know one of those charity type things, and they said they wanted the characters, they want her name to be Jameson. And they wanted her to have green hair. So this is a space opera. Yeah. So I built a whole backstory about she's from a planet named Air. And everybody there, they've been genetically modified so that they're going to have green hair. So that everybody will know what their ancestry is. And it's now this is part of my universe. Mm-hmm. I've got a planet of people with green hair. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like Irish whiskey. <laughs> I mean, nowadays... You that planet before long. <laughs> well, nowadays with anime, I mean, green hair is like, okay, you know, think of something weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, one more question if you guys want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what are some examples you guys can think of in, in things other... We've talked about tuckerization in books, but as an example, one thing that Kickstarters have started doing, especially for indie games, mm-hmm. is they're now offering tuckerizations in Kickstarter mm-hmm. for particular tiers in addition to the same model with books. Yeah. So where have you seen tuckerizations outside of books, whether games, movies, or other, other examples? You can think of? Cards Against Humanity. Cards Against yep. Humanity uh-huh. is a good one. Um, music, you can, you can hear it in a lot of songs. I mean, oh, look yeah. at pretty much any of Taylor Swift's songs, yeah. basically, are... Yeah. Odes to her former lovers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. oh yeah. Is there, that a tuckerization though, or is that more like a diet? Well, <laughs> it depends, depends on, on how it went. It depends <laughs> on um, But no. So um, the the big one I I remember is um, the the never ever getting back together. We're never mm-hmm. ever getting back together. It was supposedly about Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> so <laughs> even though she'll never admit it. Yeah, she wrote the the title of this panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. It's what we do. Yeah. Um, I'm a musician. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are the few? Um, Girl Genius. Yep. They did that in the graphic novel format. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, there was one, the highest tier, I guess, they would actually design a character after you. Yeah, that's the recent, um, the recent Battletech game, uh, which came out, which is really good for anybody who likes strategy, uh, had a high tier of Kickstarters where they actually made a character portrait based on the person and put them in as a back warrior. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got one like that in, in this. There was a... One of the uh, fans who contacted me, she was uh, an electronics technician named North. Um, so I happened to have somebody in there who needed to fix a lot of stuff, so I named her Chief North and sent me a picture, and I sent it to the artist, and so Chief North looks like North. In the Destiny video game, they had a thing where it included as a model that was just walking around the starport. It didn't have any lines, was not um, interacting with the, the players at all. But they would just put your face on this character who's walking around the main base. Ah, but in order to achieve that, instead of Kickstarter buying it, it was if you got to the top of the ladder in the PvP match, matches, um, at the particular date, whoever was at the top of the ladder would get, you know, send in a picture and we'll put your face on a character walking around. Yeah. There's also um, a lot of movies will do things like that. I mean, Stanley. In the Marvel, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, is is kind of that's that's kind of insertion that rather than yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's a fan well, service because thing. it yeah. it is kind of. But the reason I would I would call it a Tuckerization is because he has said the character he's playing was based on himself in the comic, so that was his character in the comic, based on him, and that's why this person that's why they're doing it. Whoa, um, World yes. of Warcraft has a ton of them. What, World of Warcraft has oh, yeah. a bunch of yeah. memoriam. Yeah. pop culture references, but I guess yeah. they have no, some in memoriam. Yeah. Um, they've got Robin Williams is in there. Yeah. Um, you oh, can yeah. find Mr. T somewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, Mr. T. yeah like he's in Bambi, Bambi and Thumper are in there. Bambi and Thumper are in um, there. There's a, there's a King Killer Chronicle, and there's a Patrick Rothfuss reference in there. Yeah. There's a couple of them. And it's not just character names. There's like, you know, quest names. Yeah. Can be referencing a lot of novels. I mean, it's, it's just... 
compounded geekery. <laughs> yeah, are there any tuckerizations to Leroy Jenkins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that started. <laughs> You guys familiar with the uh, Thousand Clowns, which is a Jim Starlin story he did? You no. were mentioning comics. It was nineteen seventy-five and, and he was writing and drawing the Warlock book at the time. And he was on a deadline and they were changing editors. So he like felt he had this freedom. So he basically skewers the entire Marvel staff. In <laughs> <laughs> this, this story called The Thousand Clowns, and everybody has a slightly different name when you said Stan Lee, it kinda yeah. uh, well, um a uh, very successful writer in Japan, uh, Watari Wataru. And one of the series he did called uh, Girlish Number is about people producing uh, anime. And these are low-level, skeezy producers who just, let's just take this novel, nobody will care, or we'll just we'll turn it in, and there's cutting corners everywhere. And the writer is obviously based on his experiences. And you know, at one point they're saying, you know, we need this from the writer, and they're saying, oh, the writer was so badly affected by how the poor quality of the first season adaptation that he's refusing to engage with reality. So we can't get anything else from him right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and this one, they're building a, like, mound of pig shit. Ah. And, you know, all the editors are clowns, because Starlin has his issues. And um, they keep finding diamonds in the pig shit, and it keeps bringing down the pile. So they, they have this problem. They have to throw out these diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty pointed. Okay, any last? Yeah, I need a minute. I have two, sp two blank spaces in the uh, book I'm working on right now. I need two names right now. Who wants to be in my book? I can't guarantee you'll die. <laughs> I've used you like six times already. <laughs> Spell your name. Which one? Whatever you y want to be called. K-J. You say what? K hyphen J. Last name? Henderson. H E N D E R S Y. Number two. Bring it. Tanya. T A N Y A. Okay. Spackman. S P A C K M A N. Sweet. You will both be in book eight of the Looper Trans series. I'm not sure which one of you is going to be a bad guy and which one of you is going to be a murder victim, but we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> Anything else? Any other offers? <laughs> okay. I, I do see that everybody has probably something to give away up here, like bookmarks or tags oh, yeah. or cards, so please come yeah. on up oh, yeah. and, uh, and grab those. Yeah, Chuck's books are actually much thicker than that. Thank you. I'm here, so. I have got to run and get this Finally microphone to another room upstairs. Okay. Bye, friends. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License, which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff! <laughs>